he is here today. Would you turn with me in your Bibles while you're standing to the book of 1 John. To the book of 1 John. And we're going to read from the fourth chapter. 1 John chapter 4. And I, I want to read some of the most profound words ever penned. And we're going to read them this morning in your hearing and pray that the Lord will speak to us as we endeavor to understand him better. 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading at the 15th verse. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. Now that word confess is a little more than just opening up your mouth and saying, oh, I I agree with that. It, It means covenant. It refers to coming into covenant with God. And when you come into covenant with the confession that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. We have known and we have believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now when you talk about judgment day, The word boldness doesn't always come to mind. But the writer is telling us here that there is a way of being so made perfect in love that even on the day of judgment, you will have boldness. This is an amazing love. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not is made perfect in love. Or he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I want to concentrate our attention on the 18th verse and that very first statement that's so powerfully made by the writer. There is no fear in love. And I'd like to preach to you this morning on that subject. No fear in love. No fear in love. God, we love you because you have loved us. Your love for us has rescued us, has empowered us has strengthened us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that this very day, your word would be to us as bread of life, water for our thirsty souls. I pray that you will reach way down into the depth of our circumstances and lift us up onto higher ground. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask for the anointing of God upon your messenger and upon this great congregation. As we hear your word, as we declare your word, and as we believe and obey your word in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen Amen. and Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning in the name of the Lord. Thank you for for standing. 
<laughs> Let me say at the outset of this message today that there are two types of fear that are noted in the Bible. And I, I almost feel it incumbent upon me to make the distinction between these two types of fear every time that I preach about fear. Because one place in the Bible you will read that you are to fear the Lord. Another place in the Bible you will read that if you fear, you're not made perfect in love. And so you're trying to understand then what is the, the, the difference and what is the truth. And of course, the Word of God at times when you read different parts of it, in your flesh, because your flesh cannot rightly understand the Word of God, your flesh may even feel like you are reading contradictory statements. But I have learned in walking with God that when you feel you're reading a contradictory statement, you're not at all reading a contradictory statement. In fact, you are on the verge of divine revelation. Keep reading and keep studying and keep praying and let the Lord reveal his word to you. The fear of God is different than the fear of death or the spirit of fear. These are two different things. The fear of God is a very healthy fear. It is to be in all of us. Now, it is fear. Make no mistake about it. The Bible doesn't mince words. It is the fear but it is the fear of the Lord. And the difference between the fear of the Lord and the fear of death is the fear of death or the spirit of fear, it is bondage. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God is an amazing thing. And, and, and it is actually, it brings health. The Bible says it brings health to your body. The fear of God the promises pertaining to the fear of God as outlined in the books of Psalms and Proverbs are exceeding precious promises. Promises that, 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 that you and I have learned to believe for but maybe not even realize they are associated with the fear of the Lord. For instance, the angel of the Lord, you know everybody got a guardian angel? Actually, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear the Lord. The fear of God puts you in proximity to all the divine protections of God. And so when we talk about the fear of God, it, it, it takes place kind of like this. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew that you did not deserve the mercy of God? Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you had gotten yourself into such a difficult set of circumstances that you had no way out? Have you ever been in a set of circumstances that you knew you chose your own path and now you're at the end of your path and just like the Bible says, destruction is awaiting you and God doesn't have to do it, but he does deliver you? God doesn't have to set you free, but he does set you free. He has the power to crush you, but instead breathes new life upon you. It's in that moment where all of your help and hope is gone. 
and you realize that there is nothing else for you to trust in or believe in and that God has you in the palm of his hand and all he has to do is is remove you from his hand and you are cast into an everlasting abyss. And instead of doing that, he brings you unto himself, takes you to the banqueting house, and his banner over you is love. That's the fear of God. It's when you realize he actually can do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't have to love me. He doesn't have to show me grace or mercy. He doesn't have to show me loving kindness or tender mercies. And yet he does. And the fear of the Lord, that that moment is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning of knowledge. But the spirit of fear is different. The fear of death is different. It is intense bondage. And the Bible speaks to that. The Bible says so many things about death and we're going, or fear, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. It is a very unhealthy thing. So it's encouraging to note that the Scripture teaches us there is no fear in love. In other words, there is a deliverance from fear. And there is a place where fear does not exist. There are two phrases that I want to challenge in your conventional thinking. These two phrases are, number one, no fear and in love. These are two phrases common in our society today. No fear. Anybody ever heard no fear before? No fear. You know, the guy who's going who's gonna, to, uh, uh, you know, skydive, which won't be me, by the way. And he's on the plane, and he's never done it before, and he's trying to get up the gumption. He, he, he has trouble going to the sixth step of the ladder, but here he is with a parachute on. And he's, he's saying to himself, no fear, no fear, no fear, no fear, no fear, no fear. You know, here I go. Well, he's not saying no fear with his mouth, but not with his heart. What he's saying is, is I'm going to get my adrenaline and my confidence levels up to where they are to a greater intensity than my fear is. Because my fear is here. But, but my, my confidence level and my, my adrenaline is down here. I need this to somehow supersede fear so that I can get up the gumption to jump out of this airplane and believe that this ripcord is going to do what this ripcord is supposed to do. No fear, no fear, no fear, no fear. No, well, there's plenty of fear. You're just hoping that the fear can be drowned out by something else. But what I'm preaching today is very literally no fear. In love, no fear. The absence of fear. Fear being vanquished. Fear being removed. Fear being defeated, destroyed, and according to 1 John chapter 4, cast out. No fear in the world means fear's presence, but subservience. Fear in the spiritual sense is destroyed, defeated, cast out. The other thing I would like to challenge in your conventional thinking is the term in love. Anybody know what it means to be in love? We think we know. We think we know. And, and we do. The Lord gives us human relationships so that we can 
have an understanding of what love is. But, but ladies and gentlemen, let's really understand the absolute definition of love. God is love. And if it's not godly, it's not love. And so, so when we talk about in love, we all understand what that is like. That, 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 that euphoric feeling, that, that experience of, of being in love. Love is not an emotion. As a matter of fact, love can exist when emotions fail. Love has to do with covenant. Love has to do with connection and, and, and has to do with the depth of God's very nature. I remember when Sister Heidi and I were on our honeymoon we were newlyweds, newly married. We were on our honeymoon, and we were just loving life. And I remember making a statement. You, you ever made a statement that you wish you could go back and, like, reword that? This is one of those times. I made the statement as we were enjoying our honeymoon and our a vacation, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and life was in front of us, and we were excited about about life and I said I remember saying you know the sunshine is great and the palm trees are beautiful and all this downtime that we have is just fantastic but I can't wait for real life to begin you know that feeling I'm going to have when the utility bill comes in and both our names are on it see when you are in love anything can seem romantic so then when the utility bill comes in, there you both names are on it. Joel and Heidi Urshan. And that's very euphoric. But it's when you open the envelope, pull the bill out, start reading the fine print, then that feeling of, of romance concerning the utility bill begins to to have a different effect. And this happens in life. And it happens in the world's version of love. It has come to us as a feeling. And it goes as feelings go. And it can be, it can be up and it can be down. But when I'm talking about the love of God today. I am not talking to you about any love you have ever experienced from any person on this planet. The only love that, that we have that can, that can demonstrate the love of God so adequately is the love that Jesus Christ has for each of us. It is a perfect love. A perfect love. And so I want to preach to you about this today. There are many phobias in the world. We could go around this room and we could all talk about the different phobias that we have. Some people have phobias of closed-in spaces. Some people have phobias of spiders. Especially flying spiders. There is nothing worse. You know, you're already taking a step of faith when you're going to try to kill a spider. you got to get the biggest shoe you own. You don't want no flip-flop. you got to get one of your big Carhartt boots and go wherever this spider is and there is no worse feeling well that might be an overstatement but it's a bad feeling when you go to hammering away at that spider and you think the worst thing that can happen is that he'll just you know climb away if he's a flying spider you better get ready if you haven't danced before the Lord you're about to dance before the Lord it's about to happen it is about to happen and if that thing is big enough and it gets away from you and you don't know where it went 
you just got to sell the house. You don't even, they're just, I'm, I don't know where that thing went. And we're not going to tell anybody about it. You just come look at the house. It's a beautiful home. We don't know. You might have a guest once you get in. There are phobias, and they are real, real phobias. And people have, I mean, it can cripple them. And, and it, can, it can cripple them emotionally. It can cripple them uh, in, a, in, in a mental way to where when this thing develops, it could be heights. I understand that. My knees get weak when I am in particular cases where there are heights. And I, I, I sense this phobia trying to affect the way I think about this thing. But fear is an interesting thing. The Bible takes us to the root of all fear. The root of all fear is the fear of death. The root of all fear is the fear of death. You don't just fear spiders. You fear that the spider is going to get away from you and that the spider is going to creep up on you when you least expect it and that the spider is going to bite you and that that bite is going to have venom and that venom is going to be insurmountable to by your immune system and eventually it will take you down. You don't just fear driving in, in, in snow. You fear that when you apply the brakes that the brakes won't hold on the ice in the snow and that it will... It will take you too close to the edge and that across that edge will be a, a drop-off and, and that the rest is, could be fatal. And you don't just fear that your symptoms could be bad or grievous. You feel like your symptoms could be life-threatening. And that's why you call 911. And that's why you buckle your seatbelt. The fear of death is a fear that has gripped our world and it affects everything we think and it affects everything we do. I wonder sometimes what we would do and how we would live if we did not fear death. What decisions would we make differently? What steps of faith would we take if we did not fear death? How limitlessly would we love if we did not fear death? If we did not fear commitment because we feared death of relationships. If we did not fear death, how would it change our world? But the Bible teaches us from the book of Hebrews concerning the fear of death. In the second chapter of the book of Hebrews and the 13th verse. Again I say I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. All your lifetime is spent subject to bondage of the fear of death. In one particular place, the Bible says, we have not received again the spirit of bondage to fear. But we have, thank God, received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. There is a fear of death. And, and let me tell you, in the fleshly sense, Rightfully so. Death is a most awful demon. It is a most terrible, terrible demon from hell. The Bible says that death reigned from Adam. 
to Moses. This is a normal part of our life. Anybody ever heard someone say, perhaps in trying to console somebody who has just lost a loved one, death is a normal part of life. It is as normal a part of life as birth is. Let's make sure that we say that clearly. Death is a normal part of life on this earth in its cursed and fallen state. It is not a normal part of life as God intends life to be. There should be no death. There should be no one dying. There should be no one fearing death. There should be no kind of a slip or fall that could result in death. There should be no kind of a sickness that could be unto death. Death is not supposed to exist. We should not understand what death is or what a funeral is or what an undertaker is or what an epitaph is or what an obituary is or or, or or what a funeral procession is. We shouldn't understand the protocol of a funeral service or the work of a mortician. We should understand none of these things because death was never supposed to be a part of our world. And God, hallelujah, in his love for us, manifested himself into our flesh and blood and through death has destroyed the death that the devil brought to us. Hallelujah. And so when you look at the scripture, it teaches us that death reigned. Death was king from Adam all the way to Moses. What happened at Moses that made the difference? What happened at Moses began on the night that the very angel of death was going to come down through the land of Egypt. And when the angel of death was coming through Egypt, he came on assignment. He was going to take the firstborn of every household. And when he came through to take the firstborn of every household, the Lord said unto Moses, Moses, there is a way to overcome death. If you'll take the lamb and slay the lamb, and paint the blood of the lamb over your doorpost, then the angel of death has no power over your household. When you read the book of Exodus, you read that the angel of death came to pass through Egypt. Very important that we understand that. The angel of death came to pass through, but when he saw the blood, he had to pass over. In the devil's plan, there was never going to be a Passover. But when he saw the blood, you can't pass through the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There were ways of avoiding death, of outsmarting death. Noah did it for he and his family by building an ark. And when the rest of the world drowned in the waters of God's wrath, Noah and his family and the species of the earth stepped onto that ark. Peter later said that that like figure is the same way that baptism doth also now save us. When you are baptized into the precious name of Jesus Christ you are getting into Noah's ark and it doesn't matter what waters come from heaven or what waters come from the fountains of the deep you are safe from death 
I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, death is an awful thing. It's an awful thing. It is the most unnatural thing that has ever come to this planet. And all sorrow and all grief and all affliction and all disease are all evil spawns that have been, that have been distributed by death throughout this world. You look, at, you look at Abraham taking Isaac to the mountain. And Isaac is on the altar being prepared as a sacrifice. He's about to die. But the Lord said... Do not slay thy son, for now I know that thou fearest God. There was a ram rustling in the thicket. Abraham took the ram from the thicket, put him on the altar instead of his son Isaac. The lamb saved the day. This was a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ who would come into this world. And when he came into this world, he would see the results and the ravaging effects of sin and death that had taken place upon this earth. Everywhere he looked, he saw the fingerprints of death. The man whose eyesight died, Jesus recognized death has touched his eyes. The man whose ears had been prevented from hearing, Death had touched his audible abilities and now his hearing had died. The man who was unable to speak, death had touched his vocal cords and the string of his tongue had been bound. When Jesus walked into Jairus' house and looked at that sweet little 12-year-old girl laying on the bed, they laughed him to scorn when he said she's only asleep. But he understood something. He understood that the enemy has come into this world to steal to kill and to destroy but I have come for a different purpose I have come to bring life and that more abundantly I want I want to say to you today that Jesus Christ has come to vanquish death and by virtue of vanquishing death he eliminates fear It's in his love. It's not in your self-confidence. It's in his love. It's not in your willpower. It's in his love. It's not in your ability to be holier than thou. It's in his love. It's not in your ability to be more disciplined than everybody around you. It's in his love. It is in the love of Jesus Christ that we have victory over fear and that fear has been cast out. Death entered into the world through the sin of Adam. Sin was the door that death came through to enter into this world. This is why preachers must preach against sin. It's not hate speech. It's love speech. It's not hatefulness. It's not mean-spiritedness. Sin is the door through which death enters your life. And Jesus came down and before he dealt with death, he had to shut the windows and the doorways that man had opened for death to enter. So Jesus entered our world. And here, the world as we had it, we had this thing all messed up. 
We got windows open and there are toxic fumes of sin passing through our world. And we're just letting everything in. We don't care what it looks like. We don't care what it sounds like. We don't care. We, all, all that matters is if it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. If it makes you happy, then it can't be that bad. Just do it, Nike said. Sprite said, thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. Those are doctrines of devils. And those are ways for sin to enter your world. You don't need to do things that please your flesh. Only do the things that please the Lord. He is your creator. And he knows what's best for you. My God have mercy. You don't need to live unto yourself. Live unto the Lord. I will go to my grave preaching to you to repent from your sins and turn unto the Lord. I'll go to my grave saying, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. I'll go to my grave saying, abstain from all appearance of evil. Listen, and restoring such an one, considering my own self, lest I myself should be a castaway. Because sin lets death into your world. Sin lets death into your heart. Sin lets death into your body. Sin lets death into your home. Sin, 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 sin lets death into every aspect of your life. And Jesus walked down into this world and said about the homes we had built where the windows aren't sealed up, the door is always open to any kind of a vice or transgression that comes down the pike, hatred, variance, pride, greed, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You don't have to shout with me. I'm going to preach it anyway. Rebellion, bitterness, resentment. Come on, ladies. Adultery, fornication. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Lasciviousness, uncleanness, sins of witchcraft, sins of idolatry. We got the windows open. We got the doors open. Come on in. Have your way. But when Jesus came into our world, he shut our house down and said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also <laughs> hallelujah and little by little he began to shut our windows to the sins we had let into our world and when fornication came to his window he shut the window sealed it up and said no and when lying came to the other window he shut the window sealed it up and said no no and when pride and when envy and when hatred and unforgiveness tried to sneak in through the basement windows Climb up through the attic windows. Climb in through the vents. See, see, sin can come in like a, like a person. Sin can come in like a fume. And Jesus just taught us how to build your house upon the rock. And sin might have entered Adam's house, but it's not going to enter mine. And he planted his house upon the rock. And he overcame all sin. Folks, 
I need you to understand this about the Jesus we're worshiping. You, you may have come into this place thinking, oh, these Pentecostals, ooh, you never know what you're going to see at a Pentecostal church. Because they shout, they run, they jump, they holler, they clap, they do all this crazy stuff. There's, there's a reason we do this crazy stuff. When I couldn't overcome the temptation, Jesus did. When every, when, every, when every lame little temptation came crawling my way and I just stumbled and bumbled and mumbled and fell over and fallen in grace, my God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, walked among men, faced my temptations and overcame them for me. And now all I got to do is get up into his yoke. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. All I got to do is rest in the Lord. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not to my own understanding. I can literally hold my peace. And let the Lord fight my battle. That's what Jesus did for me. So when temptation comes, if I try to fight it with my willpower, I'll just be doing what anybody does. But if I will stand on the word and say, the power of the Holy Ghost sustain me. There is power in the blood. Power in the blood. Let's talk about that blood. Can I talk about that blood? Let's talk about that blood for just a moment. That blood is different than any blood that was ever shed. Different than any blood. Everything that you and I say, do, eat, drink, it's in our blood. Naturally speaking, it's in our blood. Spiritually speaking, it's in our blood. Blood has a voice. We don't understand all there is with blood. We just don't understand it. God said, I have heard Abel's blood calling unto me from the ground. We know that the blood says stuff because our own earthly medical doctors can put it under microscope. They can run it through tests and tell us that the blood demonstrates more than what we could ever understand. But God, who put blood in us, said that the blood talks. I don't understand it, so I won't try to preach any more about it. But I will say that Moses performed a miracle where he turned the whole river in Egypt to blood. That wasn't just red stuff. It was blood. That wasn't just Kool-Aid, it was blood. That wasn't just Hawaiian punch, that was blood. Blood has an owner, it has DNA, it has genetic substance. That blood belonged to somebody. I'll tell you whose blood I think it was. I think it was the blood of the lamb because everything in that water died. And that's exactly what the blood of the lamb did for me when I was baptized in the name of Jesus. Every microorganism of my flesh and every little virus, every little bacteria, every unclean thing died in the blood.
this blood is precious blood. There was no taint of sin in this blood. There, there, there was no, there was no hypocrisy in this blood. There was no sin in this blood. Never had a lie been told and it be registered in this blood. So when the body of Christ went down into death and went down into the grave, it went down in a way that no other body had ever gone down. It went down flawless, without spot, without blemish. And death, death was used to, oh my goodness, all the bodies that had passed through death, hell and the grave, death was used to getting bodies that were all marked up with lying and greed and envy and abuses of power and hatred and lust and rebellion and perversion. And death was just like assembly line, just moving them on down to the grave and to hell. And just this is how it goes. Yep, yep, move them on down, move them on down, move it, move it, move it. Keep them, whatever, moving, moving. And then the body of Jesus came down. And death looked at the body of Jesus and started looking for where, well, where was there? I mean, I'm looking for adultery. I'm looking for rebellion. I'm looking for bitterness, unforgiveness, at least pride, something, disobedience. He could find no sin in that body. And he looked at the grave and said, what do we do with a body where there has never been any sin? And the grave said, I've never seen a body where there had never been any sin. And he looked at hell and hell said, I've never seen a body that had never had any sin. And, 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 and hell said to the grave, there's only one thing we can do with a body who has known no sin. We got to let it go. my God see we think when Jesus died that in those three days he went down and looked at hell and said alright now you're going to get it and he had to go wrestle hell to the ground and take his keys from him and then he went over to death and took his key then he went over to the grave and no, that's not how it worked. The moment he died, it was finished. Because that was an innocent lamb on that cross. The moment he died, it was finished. When he gave up the ghost, it was finished. And he has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. My God. Oh, he had death's number from the very beginning. Adam and Eve were all in chaos. Adam was trying to, trying to get fig leaves and cover himself. And Eve is trying to get fig leaves. Adam said, it's Eve's fault. Eve said, it's the serpent's fault. And God's just standing there watching them hide themselves. And God walks over to the serpent. Adam and Eve are over here terrified. He's going he's to just unleash a lightning bolt. He goes straight to the culprit. And he said to the serpent, he said, you have bruised their heel. But the seed of this woman is going to crush your head. You mark my words. 
this thing is not over. You are going down. You are going down. And I'm going to start right now. Adam, you don't need the fig leaves of this world. You go get a coat of skin and put it over you. Because I'm going to teach you now about a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey God, I'm going to tell you, through the prophet Hosea, Every once in a while, God would just rear up out over Babylonian captivity, Persian captivity, Israel backsliding, worshiping Baal and Molech and Ashtoreth. And he'd look over at death and say, you know, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. Through the prophet Isaiah, he said, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Hallelujah. shall be swallowed up in victory through the prophet Hosea he said oh death I will be thy plagues oh grave I will be thy destruction and I will ransom my people from the power of the grave that's the love of God ransom 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 that's a big word And a lot of wealthy people aren't willing to pay it because they know then that somebody else will come do some dastardly, dirty deed and then they will have to pay another ransom and it will never end and it'll never end. And so they're just saying, no, no, we can't pay a ransom and start that, no. But God said, I will pay anything. I will give it all. I'll give every drop of sweat. I'll give every drop of blood. I'll give every tear. I will lay it all down. I'll answer not a word. I'll turn the other cheek. I'll walk the extra mile. I'll give you my cloak and my garment also. I will give it all until I have nothing in me. And I'll die the death you deserve to die. And I'll take the pain you inflicted upon yourself. Surely he had borne our griefs. Surely he had carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him not. We saw him as stricken, as smitten, smitten of God no less, and afflicted. We we talk about his stripes, we talk about his wounds, we talk about his bruises, but but he he suffered in every way imaginable. Even that hurtful, passive-aggressive way, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. There was no beauty in him that we would ever desire him. He had nothing of this world to offer. He just simply said, give me your pain. Give me your mistakes. Give me your failures. Give me everything you ever did to anybody that was wrong. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give me every time you cursed somebody. Put it on my shoulders. Give me every time you transgressed God willingly. Put it on my shoulders. 
Give me every time that you spoke out against somebody and later regretted it. Put it on me. Give me every time that you snuck around. Every time that you tried underhandedly to deprive somebody of something that was theirs. Every time you stole or killed or lied or deceived. Put it on me. And when they put him on that cross, he became sin. He who knew no sin. He he didn't just take our sins, Brother Jesse. He became our sins. What happened to him on the cross is what happens to our sins. The nail, when it went through his hand, was going through our, our lust. When the other nail went through his hand, it was a nail going through our pride. When a nail went through his feet, it was a nail going through our envy, our covetousness. When the stripes went on his back, it was smiting our leukemia and our diabetes and our cancer. Our cancer was being beaten into submission. AIDS was being beaten into submission. Every sexually transmitted disease was being bitten, beaten into submission. He became our sin. Hallelujah. No wonder we say worthy is the Lamb. No wonder we say worthy, worthy. You know, you can have a problem with the way I worship. That's your business. But it's not going to stop me because he's worthy. He's worthy. And, and, And you don't know like I know what he's done for me. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. Yeah. God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. God, I don't even know what to do with that because I thought he couldn't commend his love to me until I, until I said, okay, God, you're the greatest thing ever. You're the king of kings and lord of lords. No, before I knew he was king or believed he was king, He commended his love toward me when I didn't deserve it, when I was rejecting him, when I was denying him, when I was defying him, when I knew to do good and I was doing it not. He commended his love toward me. You know why fear can't last in that environment? Because that debunks every lie that fear can tell you. Fear hath torment. Perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. The torment of fear is what disqualifies it as a legitimate speaker into our life. That's how perfect love casts out fear. See, perfect love would love to cast out fear. It's you who holds on to fear. It's me. We're like, no, 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 this thing's been with me since I can remember. I remember. No, no, you're taking my buddy away. I remember when I was afraid to walk up a step before I knew how to say a word. I didn't want to climb down a step because fear told me. I'm used to listening to fear. Fear's my friend. Don't take my fear away. I've gotten used 
to communicating with fear. But the more you listen to God, and, 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 and the more you see the love of God, the more discredited fear becomes. You, you're lying. Because he, he does love me. Some of you thought that, 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 that God had no more use for you. And here you are at his banqueting table on September 18th, 2016. When May whatever, 1992, 2002, 2012, you thought he would never have anything to do with you again. And here you are. Fear told you. Things that just weren't true. And finally, if you'll, if you'll just release it. You've been lying to me all my life. You've been telling me all my life. That I had a reason to be afraid. That I had a reason. I had a reason to distrust God. You told me all my life. I had a reason to distrust people. Let me tell you why I trust people. I trust people. You know why I trust people? Not because I trust people. I trust people because I trust God. You can disagree with that all you want, but God put it in my spirit and in my soul. I trust people because I trust God. I trust God's ability to protect me more than I trust their ability to wound me. And so I'm not going to live my life in fear of rejection, in fear of being hurt, in fear of being betrayed. I'm going to live my life free in the love of God. I love you, and I love him, and he loves us all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Perfect love casts out fear. Hallelujah. You, you, you know, you go home today and you go back into the house that is your mind and your spirit and your soul. And you walk in this time and fear is sitting in your lazy boy recliner. With his feet propped up on your coffee table. Dirty clothes all over the house. Telling you to go get him another beer. This fear's been with you all your life. You're letting this fear run your mind and your soul. It's time to let fear know I'm in love. I'm in love. I don't mean a euphoric little high, a temporary little thrill. I don't mean just a honeymoon vacation. I mean I'm in. Securely, I'm in. His love has enveloped me. His love has wrapped his arms around me. And I'm in the love of God. Where no weapon formed against me can harm me. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. A thousand shall fall at my side. Ten thousand shall fall at my right hand. But it shall not come nigh me. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. And I'm in love. And I don't care who knows that I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love. Glory. Hallelujah. 
Some of you are afraid of what disease is coming down the pike. Some of you are afraid of what, what person, betrayer, revenger, condemnation stalks you and haunts you. And you wonder when the hammer will fall. And you wonder when you're going to pay for everything you've done wrong. Stop fearing and trust in God. When you start trusting in the word of God, you realize Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. Do you know why that's, do you know why that's, that, that's, that's actually why you don't owe me anything. Even after you hurt me and wound me, I'm just going to forgive in the Holy Ghost, not in Joel. Joel will hold a grudge till Jesus comes and then go to hell for it if it was up to him, up to me. But in the Holy Ghost, I release and I forgive because I can't expect you to pay something Jesus already paid. Some of y'all are double dipping. Some of you are double dipping. Jesus already paid. And then you go up to him and say, pay me what you owe me. The bill is paid in full. You agreed to that when you were baptized in Jesus' name. You received forgiveness for your sins and you released everyone from what they owed you to in Jesus. I'm talking about what love feels like. There's no bondage. There's no bondage. The fear has lost its hold on you. Some of you are afraid. Not, and listen, if there's a sickness that comes against you, call for the elders of the church. Let's pray. Let's anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Let's let the prayer of faith save the sick. That's not a lack of faith. That is faith. But in Jesus' name, be free from your fear. Understand that when you're covered by the blood of Jesus, that if it's going to get to you, it has to come through the blood. It must come through the blood. The cleansing, healing, blood so if some kind of a cancer tries to inflict itself on your body that cancer cannot come to you until it comes through the blood and if it comes if it makes it through the blood then it has been cleansed of all its destructive properties that means it can do no harm to you all, anything that it does bring must be for the good. All things work together for the good to them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. So don't think some rogue problem, some rogue disease, some rogue person that's going to try to do harm. Don't think you're just going to waltz up into my life and start wreaking havoc into what God has bought. I am not my own. I'm bought with a price, with the precious blood of the Lamb. I've been washed, sanctified, justified, forgiven, and redeemed. If you're going to be in my life, then you have to participate with the divine providence of God to which my life is submitted. Somebody lift your hands and claim it in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands and claim it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice and claim it in the name of Jesus. Ha! Hallelujah. 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 
hallelujah. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift up your hands unto him right now. Lift up your hands unto him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know the scripture. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 21, verse 6, verse 5. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. These are the words of eternal life. You need to hold on to them. We know the scripture, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. But before he ever gets to liars, he talks about some other things. He said, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's only room for one king in your life. I wonder if this morning, if we could stand to our feet. Go ahead, go ahead. Thank you, thank you. And I wonder if we could just say, God, help me to open myself up to your perfect love. Because I need this fearfulness to be cast out of my life. There is no fear in love. Folks, this is the revelation that sends missionaries to some of the most remote parts of the world because there's, there's no fear in love. This is, this is the revelation that, that gives a, a man or a woman or a boy or a girl the faith to persevere through the most challenging of circumstances. There's no fear in love. I wonder if right now we could just repent before the Lord and say, God, I never... I never really viewed fear as being sinful. This is not a condemning message, ladies and gentlemen. But you have given fear, some of you, you have given fear authority in your life. And it's time to release that. That that fear is trying to take your soul into a bottomless pit. There is bondage, bondage, bondage. But you're to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free and be not entangled again in the yoke of that bondage. All across this building, I want us to lift up our hands and lift up our hearts and say, God, I release this fear to you. I want your perfect love to come cast out this fear. Cast out this fear. Cast out this fear. Come on, he's not going to escort it out. 
He's not going to politely request that it leave. If you'll let him, the love of God will come grab that fear by his feet and wrists and cast it out of your life. Jesus, of God crucified for my sins he bled and died and oh, how precious is let me let me say this is where if you've been around church very long you know this is a part of the service it's called altar call you know there's just a few more minutes you've learned that if you wait long enough the singing will be finished and you can get on with your day. I'm asking you not to treat this like just any other Sunday. I'm asking somebody who really wants fear to be defeated in your life to step out of your seat and make your way to this altar and say, God, I give the blood of Jesus full authority over my life. Come on, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, this would be the day to be baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. If you're tormented by fear, in the name of Jesus, let the sweet love of God come cover you anew and afresh and deliver you from that torment. You are his child. Nothing should torment you. Don't let anything have any authority over you in the name of Jesus. Oh, the blood. Come on, that's it. The Holy Ghost is in this place. The Holy Ghost is in this place. That's it. I need some folks to come help me pray. There are people receiving victory right now. There are people receiving a touch of the Holy Ghost. Come help me pray. In the name of Jesus. Faith be released. Faith be released. Faith be released. Jesus. 